Oh my goodness, we've got guests. You know what that means. It's another Masterclass episode on Studio Class. All right. <laughs> Welcome, my friends. This is a Masterclass episode of Studio Class, and I am super excited. This is like my biggest Masterclass group yet, and the reason we're getting together is we're about to do a panel at New Music Gathering to talk about money mindset. So before we get into all of our conversations and introducing things, I'm going to have my friend Sarah Noble talk a little bit about why she pulled this panel together and you know a little bit more about if you're going to New Music Gathering, how you can find us there or, or find us online, I suppose, all of that good stuff. So Sarah, take it away and introduce yourself first, please. Sure. Hey, so I'm Sarah Noble. I, for the first part of my career, was um, a classical singer, opera singer focused. I was completely obsessed with contemporary, am still completely obsessed with contemporary music and the music that was being written now. Um, that's how I found my way to New Music Gathering and met Megan. Um, and recently I transitioned out of a 10-year career as an arts administrator and started a career as a life coach. Um, and when that change happened, I thought, ah, oh, I really want to stay connected to my music community. Um, and so New Music Gathering put out this call and I was like, well, what could I do? What could I offer now that's different than what I could offer as a like administrator performer? And what is different about my life now is that I focus like day in, day out on mindset. And so when they put out this call that was like, well, we want to talk about money and money related things. Um, it just seemed an obvious place to go to gather really, really smart folks together that I know that have created lives who are sort of outside the paradigm of what we, what I generally call like the shoulds of money and the arts. Mm -hmm. um, it just seemed so clear that there are a bunch of stories that we tell and a bunch of contexts that we keep ourselves in that are very limiting as artists around money specifically. So I just had a desire to talk about that, honestly. Um, and, uh, and one of my favorite things about New Music Gathering is that there are just so many brilliant people. So yeah, so I emailed you and then we sort of gathered together this amazing group of folks. Um, and I am, yeah. I'm so thrilled. <laughs> um, cannot wait. And for people attending Music Gathering, well, we will be online. We're going to, we will be doing a 30 minute panel at either 10 or 1030 on August 15th. Nice. Yeah. Anything else I missed there? No, but I am, this is going to seem a little silly, but uh, Sarah, I was wondering if you would just say, you know, what you think money mindset means, you know, if anybody doesn't feel like they've ever encountered that before, uh, you know, when we say money mindset, what are we talking about? Yeah, amazing. Great question. Um, so let me break that down into two pieces for, for now, right? Mindset. Whenever we say mindset, we mean whatever beliefs or, uh, assumptions or expectations we hold around anything. And so for me as a coach, right, my job essentially is to, to help people see the walls of their beliefs and what it's keeping out. Um, and so with money, that means whatever opinions or expectations or assumptions you have about how money works, how money works for you, how it doesn't work for you, uh, what it means to you, what it might not mean, anything in that area 
is the way that I would define mindset. Do you, uh, how do you all see mindset? Is there a different <laughs> definition? Now I'm curious. <laughs> I just, does anybody else want to jump in right there? Uh, sure. I mean, we've been, <laughs> I've been talking a lot about mindset in my work, n- not around specifically, you know, money. Well, well mindset. Alyssa, can you introduce yourself first and, yes. then, oh, sorry. and then tell sorry, us all yes. about your mindset stuff? <laughs> I went ahead and I just jumped in. I was yeah. like, I don't have to myself. <laughs> I'll just be the 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 nameless voice that comes no. up. <laughs> uh, so my name is Alyssa Jones, and uh, uh, my uh, current role in uh, the music world is as a composer and a music education consultant. Uh, most of my compositions are for theater. Uh, I do a bit of art song work as well with this uh, kind of, um, you know, my my. My driver is uh, just kind of marrying all of the musical traditions that I love so much. So out of the box in that, uh, not in terms of what theory I'm using or, you know, what are the, what's the aesthetic of it as opposed, out of the box in terms of don't put me in a box. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm enjoying that. Uh, and I also, uh, as a result of all of that work, have just launched uh, this year a uh, publishing company, a print music publishing company. Uh, Rising Tide Music Press. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, we are we will be six months old in August. <laughs> and uh, this has been a huge six months. We're off to a great start. Uh, but we focus on Black, Brown, Indigenous, and Asian composers uh, in their first 10 years of prof- oh, professional credit. Great. I didn't so know that part. Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter um, what the first, where you are in your life that first 10 years. So you could be coming out of school or you could be making a lateral shift like I did from the classroom to administration and now into composition. So, um, so that's, that's what I do with myself. And so it's the mindset uh, question is coming up a lot. Uh, I've done a lot of work um, around culturally responsive practice, uh, especially since the pandemic hit and all of the social and civil unrest uh, or awakenings, I like to call them, that have happened and the growing pains that result from awakening, right? Wake up, stretch, and it hurts a little bit. That's kind of what's going on. Uh, and so talking about mindset, a mindset over matter, mindset over materials, mindset over everything is what makes the difference. And so um, that for me is mindset. It's that allowing yourself the room for that paradigm shift, uh, for the needle, feeling the needle move in your own brain and your own being, yeah. Uh, so that you can accomplish that goal um, that you have in front of you. So that's that's my thinking. That's so fascinating, Ashley. I'm wondering if you would also introduce yourself and maybe say a little yeah. bit about your thoughts about mindset. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Ashley Shivankre Shive, um, and my background within music. I feel like I've taken many little ebbs and flows as we all do in the field of music. Isn't that what we're supposed to do in music? No one really talks about that part of music. Um, so I originally we'll talk started about it here. For oh, sure. we're definitely going to talk about it, but we don't talk about it enough right, uh, right. that it's super okay and acceptable. I had originally thought I was going to be in the classroom full time. Um, I had worked originally in a K through eight school transition from being a music educator into being a full-time arts administrator, director of education and programs. I had um, 
worked for many, many years for Preservation Hall, and this past year really got thrust into the world of um, really full-on consulting work and working with numerous arts organizations. So for me, it was a huge shift to A, be working from home, and B, suddenly be a consultant full-time for the first time in my life, which was like, whoa, this is a lot. Um, and so I predominantly do consulting in sort of the arts administration space, um, working on how we root equity within to our music programs, and then also around uh, development and fundraising and really thinking about healthy and equitable practices in the world of fundraising, because there's a lot to digest there. There's uh, so much to digest So there. much to digest <laughs> there and <laughs> really moving more into the or, you know organization centric versus donor centric there's a whole bit to digest there uh, but currently I uh, have officially settled into the role of working as director of programs for trombone shorty foundation so more in the context of arts administration but uh definitely excited to be working with kids i'm so excited i'm back I'm back with kids <laughs> um, i don't know why i had to say i'm back but it felt appropriate for this conversation right. <laughs> um i'll also note that i am a musician I'm a trombonist and a vocalist, and I, uh, you know, have done a lot. I did a lot with a vocal group for a long while, a lot of new compositions in that context. And then I also play with a, a Caribbean-inspired rock and roll group. Um, and as it relates to mindset, I think something that's coming up for me is this, and I feel like it also ties into the concept of mantras, but the idea that ultimately I can succeed and reminding myself that I can succeed in whatever I choose to do. And when I go in with that sort of mentality for me, that is kind of where I lay out mindset. And, and also just noting mindset can be a good thing or a bad thing. You know, it's the way that we frame things. I am personally trying to reframe this in this conversation as how I focus in on the good. Uh, and, and really after this past year, how do I hone in on the good? Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that. Well, and I, I agree. I'm going to toss in my own thoughts. Any, I'm uh, for, for anybody that might be new to this podcast, I'm, I'm Megan Enan. I run the Sybaritic Singer. I'm a, I'm a vocalist. I specialize in contemporary classical music for the voice and experimental things. And I also am the executive director of the Live Music Project. And I, I'm so excited that we're talking about this because I also do a lot of coaching, as my listeners know, and we talk a lot about mindset. And most of my clients come to me because they want help building out their their business, their professionally creative lives. And over the course of many years of coaching, I realized that we couldn't talk about offers, clients and systems until we talked about most desired outcomes, mindset and story, <laughs> like what's what got you to this place? And how do you think about yourself? And who do you think you are? And how do you think you move through this world? And, and so I'm really thrilled when you know, when Sarah asked me originally to talk about this, I was just like, we have to. I mean, I uh, went through a pretty serious money mindset transition of my own in 2017, probably, where I joined a group and got really serious about 
what I thought about money and how those limiting beliefs were holding me back in, in the ways that I showed up in my artistic life. And so I hope that through these conversations, we can just pass along those things that we've learned and help people realize that money doesn't have to be a dirty word in music or anything like that. And so I'm seeing lots of shaking heads right now. I love it. So one of the ways that we start masterclass episodes is that I love to ask about intentions. So I'd love for you to just say, you know, when you, when you join in, just say, you know, Hey, this is Alyssa. Hey, this is Ashley, you know, whatever. And just say whatever an intention is that you're keeping for yourself at the moment around money or money mindset. I can start. So, Hey, I'm Sarah and my journey with becoming my own boss and becoming a coach and now, you know, like owning my own business, um, has been really one about getting a more intimate relationship with money. Like really having a relationship where I feel supported, where I know exactly what's coming in and what's coming out, where I um, am very, uh, yeah, connected to uh, to the business aspect, but connected to money as an energy as well. Um, so that's the intention that I have, have had. And I think that also comes from like Rachel Rogers, we should all be millionaires and all of these amazing, uh, women who've also said that, yeah, one of the keys is to just to get intimate, intimate with your money. Yeah. I like what you said about being connected and that money is energy kind of idea, which if you, if you've grown up feeling that money's kind of separate from you in a lot of ways that just have thinking of being connected to money or connected to resources, it can feel so foreign, right? So yeah, for sure. I'll jump in here. This is Ashley. And uh, I think that the big one for me over this past year, uh, and especially as we go transition back into performing in person is um, getting comfortable with asking for more. And uh, this one, I think, is a big one, especially for women and non-binary and trans folks that we often devalue ourselves and maybe don't ask for as much as we're worth. And I, I recognize even as a performer, that's something that we easily do too. So I'm getting more and more comfortable with asking for more when I recognize my own worth. Ashley, did you feel like, and they might be totally hand in hand, but did you feel like you had to work on kind of feelings of worthiness before you were able to ask for more? Or were you practicing kind of asking and then those worthiness feelings also just worked together? I think they kind of work together. Um, and, and it's interesting. I feel like the asking during a pandemic is like the harder part for me. <laughs> it's the, I already know we don't have enough money in this field and I know that I'm worth more, but I have to ask and I know that I am worthy. I know that I have to ask for more. So they kind of just coincided. I think more of that fear came from we're in a pandemic where people don't have money um, and going into that scarcity mindset. And so that's part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. All of that. <laughs> the, the, I definitely identify with all of those things. <laughs> Alyssa, how about you? Uh, 
Uh, wow. Um, I'll say my name. Uh, I'll say this is Alyssa, even though you said it, just so that I can practice doing that since I started so bumbly. Uh, I, my intention uh, has been since, and this is uh, so in 2017, I you know ran away and joined the circus, or rather ran away to create my own circus. And being a you know full-time consultant, used to having you know a really you know solid, always had it, always had a job, right? Working for somebody who was structuring my time, feeding me my dollars, all of that. I knew exactly how much I was going to get, and the you know what Sarah says, how much is coming in and going out. You have a sense of that. Um, so it was kind of a wild uh, experience. The first you know two years. Uh, so from 2017 through to 2019, I was like, "Woo, there's money. And then they're, oh, snap, there's not. And, and <laughs> so what do I do? And uh, so uh, in 2019, I said to myself, you have to be consistent. So my intention is around consistency. Um, the, first, uh, the first layer of that was being consistent in terms of um, how I treated the money that was coming in, what I was doing with it, uh, right? Uh, uh, and then the second now is, is, which is layers, it's how I am documenting how I am, right? So all of the administrative stuff that, like, let's face it, you know, I, I, I'm, we're all administrators here, right? And so we like the TikTokery. We like, we like, we're going <laughs> to yeah. we like it, right? Yep. Except that part. That's the part I don't like. Mm -hmm. I hate Listen, I was so happy. See, I'm all, I'm considerably older than y'all. And so I was raised during the time when you got your first uh, check, checking account, you had to um, balance that with the pencil and inside mm -hmm. the little book thing. Yeah. And <laughs> y'all are nodding because you saw your mother's, but not to do it. So that's okay. <laughs> to be clear, that's a habit that was deeply passed down to me. Yeah. So like <laughs> 30 <laughs> I'm going to throw it out there too. I yes. remember having my checkbook and we you got taught it in school. We got what? taught it in school. Yeah. You had to do it. So many people I run up on now, you know, that are, I just like, you don't know. It's like, what is this? What's this little thing? We just look on <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, you know, so since, I mean, I, since then, I just have not, I don't want to do that math. I love math. I don't want to do that math yeah. because it reminds me of how much is what's happening. I want to be ignorant as long as I can of how much money is leaving my possession. Yeah. I don't want to face it. Yeah. And so now, you know, my intention is no, you must be consistent. You must face that. So every Friday it's financial Friday. Ooh, right? I yeah. I don't do anything. And during my high season, when, you know, we're producing jazz festivals and stuff like that, I, every Friday I'm doing the books. Uh, I tried this year to hire somebody to do it for me and it didn't work out. And I ended up having to do it myself still during high season. And I realized, you know, it's fine. You have to, you can't run away from this, right? Yeah, you can't run away it's from mm -mm. Yeah. So yeah. being consistent is my intention making sure I have a routine where my money management is concerned that I have a routine in terms of how it's leaving my possession. Uh, and, uh, and also that I'm, I'm chasing the bills. Like I'm doing the billing. I'm, I'm chasing down the money that's not coming in on time. Like that's, you have to do all of that. And so being consistent with your, with your routines around, around money is really important. Alyssa, I 
love what you said about being consistent. And one of those limiting beliefs that we have talked about kind of in our planning sessions for this panel was, you know, I can't be an artist if I have to pay attention to money. You know, I can't, I won't be my, like my creative self if I have to. And even those of us who like to wear those multiple hats in administrative work still like will kind of separate administrative things from, from the financial side of things. And it could be any of those things making you feel like somewhere inside you won't be the artist anymore if you have to pay attention to the finances. And, and I think everybody here would agree that's simply not true. You, you can be even more creative if you feel like financially free in a certain way where you've, you've checked, you, you know, your financial Fridays are like crushing it and you're like ready to go create stuff again, you know? So I think that's just something that we all want to keep talking about too, is like, it doesn't, it doesn't make you less artistic or less creative to, to know, to know how your finances are doing. <laughs> I think, yeah, we use this, uh, this list again, we, we use that as, as an excuse not to do it. And we just don't want to admit we don't want to do it. And so, yeah. <laughs> we, you know, right. We, yeah. what's going to wreck my flow if I have to think about things, right. We, you go to the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> you think about your car. Did you get an oil change? Did you do that? Right. Did you clean your house? Well, there. Uh, I know, right? Walked <laughs> <laughs> some of our friends' houses. You wonder. Uh, thank you. I don't want anything to eat. I'm good. Um, right. <laughs> not from well, here. And I think about <laughs> all of us that, like, especially new music gathering folks who are like out there learning, you know, learning Ferniho pieces and like how to count them, and then they're like, "Oh, but money can't. Well, nope, those numbers. No, not not gonna not gonna play that way." <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> Yeah. So it's a convenient excuse. I love that. We can, you can count that, but you can't count. Yeah. That. That's, not, that's not working for you. All right. <laughs> well, thinking of, of consistency, one of the things is, you know, in, in these masterclass episodes, I also like to talk about what's a technical skill that you like to teach and throughout whenever we're talking about this, but technical skills can really be anything hard skill wise. So, you know, if I was talking to somebody a in a more pedagogical kind of way, we'd be like, you know, what's, how do you like to teach an e-vowel or something like that? But here, when we're talking about money, uh, one of the technical skills that I actually really love to teach, and I've taught on this podcast before, is a system called Profit First, because that was one of the things that helped me get consistent with my money. It's just a system for how you work out your income and operating expenses, your profit your taxes, especially because of that freelance life, is just making sure that your taxes are already taken care of so that when taxes come back around, you're like, I'm, I'm all over this, like, <laughs> ain't no sweat. And so that was a technical skill kind of came into my life at a really important time where I was like, oh, this really helps me be consistent and, uh, and then overcome what would have been like scarier, like barriers in in my money life beforehand. So I'm curious what, what technical skills you like to teach either around, well, kind of more specifically like hard skills around money. So who has, who has a hard skill that they like to teach? I, I'd love to jump. This is Alyssa yeah. jumping on this one uh, because of, you know, managing now to bring on staff and the staff are you know pretty young and really excited to have their first kind of jobs or their first consulting, you know, is invoicing, 
how yeah. to do that, what that looks like, coming up with some kind of a numbering system. How are you tracking? How are you labeling your invoices in your folders? Like that, you need to be able to, right? And it feels tedious at first. Which one to use, right? Um, are you in QuickBooks? Are you in, are you using the PayPal system? I mean, what are the different ways? Are you in Wave? Um, how are they all similar? What information do you need to track on your uh, clients and, and customers and your vendors, right? Subcontractors, all of this, how do you categorize? So invoicing and, you know, quoting, just the logistics of um, turning a proposal or a contract into, into dollars, right? What's that process? Yeah. Totally. I, I'm that's a perfect example. I would love to, do you all mind, would you share what you use? Like, what's your system that you use either for accounting, you know, um, invoicing, whatever it is, because we all have various, various businesses. And if you were passing this information along to somebody who is maybe running a studio or they're doing some consulting or, you know, what, what, you know, it can be yours, or you can say, I really liked this when I first got started or something mm -hmm. like that. I mean, I use Wave. So Alyssa, what do you use? Um, I use Wave for my clients mm -hmm. because it, so any clients that I do their billing for them, yeah. uh, I use Wave because they don't then have to purchase a system if, they, if they're not comfortable with it. And it is pretty congruent with all the other systems. It just, mm -hmm. it acts the same. So there's no learning curve for me, yep. right? In terms of that. Um, for myself, for a while before I had a larger client base doing bigger business, I was using uh, QuickBooks Self-Employed, which you get for free if you use TurboTax. Yeah. So self-employed, if you use TurboTax for um, self-employed, mm -hmm. then they give you a free subscription to uh, uh, QuickBooks um, Self-Employed. That is the handiest little app ever in the whole world. And it, ch it changed everything for me because I already said how I hate doing the money part. Just the fact that, you know, the GPS tracker tracking your miles and all you do swipe left, swipe right to accept it into your, you know, this was a business expense. These were business miles. These weren't right. You tie your credit card, you separate, you learn to separate your credit cards and your bank accounts, all of that. Um, now that, you know, we've got more tendrils out there, I've graduated to uh, full out QuickBooks online and that's been, it's the same, um, but it just gives me more um, reporting features Right. Uh, it's a little bit more dynamic, uh, but that's, that's what I use. I've been for invoicing. I had been using PayPal, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. But I'm about to shift. I, I just started QuickBooks uh, just this year. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I'm about to shift all of that invoicing into QuickBooks now. So it's all in one that's, you know, that's yeah. the last end of the summer. <laughs> so that fear you're moving everything you're like i'm just gonna right. oh, no, quickbooks too. that's what i'll do to procrastinate on packing <laughs> is do the quickbooks like i you know been procrastinating packing been doing people's other things so um, yeah I mean, my goal is to have those the invoicing system switched over and all of my invoices archived um, from PayPal, which they kind of already are. It's a small job. It sounds bigger than it is. Uh, but third quarter, I want to make sure that we're in good shape, um, yeah. so that I can just, you know, do my new job and not, uh, not worry about. Yeah, definitely. Sarah, Ashley, what are your, what are your systems? And it can be, you know, if it's like, 
And if it's spreadsheets too, just, it can be spreadsheets. Like I, I don't want to give any sense that one thing is way better than the other. It's like, we, we use the things that we use. So invoicing or budgeting or uh, bookkeeping, any of yeah. those areas. Yeah. Um, so I started using a combination of things because I had so many different folks I was working for and so many of them wanted invoices in a very specific way in their <laughs> very specific template. And right. so something I started using is uh, this app that you can attach to your uh, like Google Chrome. It's yeah. called Clockify yeah. and you can clock in clock out you can sync it up with your google calendar so i was able to add in tags for all of my different organizations i was working for put in the amount because another thing that we'll get to but i i do an equitable pricing model for my clients and so i could put in all of my <laughs> like my numbers in i could download a report plug it into the template, call it a day. And so I, I had that. it all in that. And that ultimately worked out fine for me in this past year, because I was able to just pull it once a month, call it a day. And it was because it's attached to Google Chrome, it's right there. And I always see it. And it's always a reminder. And I started tracking even minute things like if I was on a board call and seeing how much of my time I was giving away for free versus how much of my time I was actually getting paid for. So yep. it's been very interesting to like oh, yeah. grab onto it. And there's a free version. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh, can I just jump in? I just went to it. Yeah. <laughs> I just went to it. So I've been using Homebase. Homebase is great. I've been using yeah. Homebase for my team, but it's, 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 it's weird for me when I've got like all these different roles and I forget to clock in and it's not, I'm not on my phone. This thing. Thank you. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you. I don't know how I stumbled on it. I like found it looking Let's for new, it. new systems and uh -huh. wow, it, it changed a lot of things through me. Cause I was like, Whoa, this right. is a game changer right here. Game changer. <laughs> Yes, honestly, if you work for multiple clients, finding finding the tool that works for you that like is time tracking where you can write the reports and everything. I use Toggle for mine and it's like similarly it, you can track with different like fee structures and stuff like that. It's incredible. So if you also I think people on the podcast or my Fridays have heard me like sing the praises of time tracking multiple times because <laughs> I'm like I'm like, do it. It's amazing. <laughs> so Ashley, thank you so much. Like, wait, so it's called Clockify again, right? Clockify. Okay. Yeah. I love it. We're you can get it as a, a Chrome extension if you're a Chrome user like myself. So yes. it's beautiful. We're going to make Ashley an affiliate of Clockify. <laughs> Sarah, do you have any, any tools like, and, <laughs> and like, we should have uh, a disclaimer, like not sponsored by no. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> QuickBooks. I mean, no, they're Chrome. welcome to sponsor this if they want to. <laughs> Incredible. You know what? I do not have any schmancy uh, tools yet, but I'm going to steal all of yours now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, the thing that helped me get most intimate with my money this year was freaking budgeting in a way that worked for me. So yes. a friend turned me on to You Need a Budget, the app. Um, and it is, you know, I gotta say it's really amazing for getting you flat with your yes. relationship to what is coming in, what you're planning for, what you can see like six years, six years, six months down the road. Um, 
it was, yeah, that's been amazing actually just for me seeing like, okay, what's my projected budget? What's the reality? How do I, how do I change things so that it, oh, like, oh, I forgot that I actually spend a lot of money on books each month. And like, I had to put that into my budget, right? Like, like, oh, that's right. I forget that like, you know, Spotify or something. So, um, then the other thing that's like not a hard skill, but is the thing that I sort of teach most is separating the interpretation from the fact. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of what gets in the way, I think when we talk about everything, but but money specifically is we have a lot of stories and interpretations around it. Like, um, and so being able to separate, like I am, you know, I feel like I am bad at money because I don't, have an idea of how much is coming in from like, well, I made this amount of dollars this month and it's this far from my goal. And so that's the next action helps just to, I think, like clear the road for what you want actually in the future, instead of getting stuck in the judgment and the shame and the, there's so much shame attached to money. I gotta say, like, it's such a high sensation thing to deal with, which I think is why we don't talk about it so often. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sarah, do you have any, have any tips for kind of, you know, when Brene Brown says you're in the shame spiral of like, if you're in the shame spiral of money and you're like, and because you said it's such a, it's so intense. And especially if you're in the place where you don't have a lot of resources or revenue coming in, and you're in that shame spiral, do you have any tips that you would help people with where you're like, this is how to, how to start to separate some of those stories and just look at the facts of your situation so that you can release yourself from the high intensity around that shame and fear and scarcity and stuff like that? Yeah, that's such a great question. So one of the things that I took from, I just read, We Should All Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers. And if you haven't read it, go and buy that book now because yeah. <laughs> it, it's really life-changing. So speaking of like, yeah, skills or, or something I would pass down, like go get that book. She has amazing <laughs> skills in there. One of the simplest things that she has is a reframe of um, but to and in mm-hmm. sentences. So one of the things that I find that cuts shame the quickest is, uh, reframing to and right like um and you were speaking of I'll come back to that in a second you were speaking of Brene Brown like the distinction that she makes between guilt and shame is guilt is right like I did something bad versus uh shame is I am bad Mm -hmm. and so the more around money you can notice the labels that you apply to yourself um and or your situation Mm -hmm. um the more power I think you have to sort of dissolve those and just notice that, yeah, there's stories. We tell, tell ourselves, narrate, we narrate to ourselves all the time yeah. um, as humans. And so especially around money, we pick up these really powerful stories early in our lives a lot. Yeah. Um, and then they become our identity. And so separating the identity from um, the action that you want to take or the goal that you want Right. I think Rachel Rogers gives this amazing example of the shift between like, I, I don't know, I can't, can't think of an immediate great example, but it's something like I, you know, like want a vacation in the Bahamas, but I don't have any money mm-hmm. to, I want a vacation in the Bahamas and I don't have any money, which then sort of opens the door to be like, okay, so what am I going to do about it now? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but taking away the, 
shame that comes with like, but I don't have any money, which makes me X, Y, Z and means in the future, like fortune telling, like I will never have enough money for that vacation. And that's where we stop to like, oh, okay. That's a problem I want to solve. Yeah. That's definitely one of the things that I'm going to talk about in our panel. Cause one of the, one of the limiting beliefs around lots of music stuff is like, well, I really want to make more music or I want to have this, have this experience, but I don't have the money to do. I don't have the money to make the recording. I don't have the money to go to the festival. I don't have the money. This is sounding like into the woods for a second. Like <laughs> I have to go to the festival, <laughs> like, but <laughs> like what I, what I want to take away from that is when you're switching that story from, but I don't have the money. I don't have the resources, which most of the time I actually hear the, but I don't have into, but I'll never have, like, I'll never be able to have this rather than saying, I want to go to this festival and I don't have the resources for it right now. Right now means what would I do to bring those resources into my life and start asking yourself more regularly, well, what would I do to have more resources or more revenue coming into this situation And thinking through that for yourself on a more regular basis just makes you so much more aware of the opportunities in the more veiled versions that they show up in. Because I was telling Ashley a story about something before we started where I was writing grants for a a project like time after time after time, thinking that it had to come in a certain way. And so the grant and the grants weren't working out for this. And then I And then recently I applied for the same thing that I needed the grant money for, but I could get in a straightforward version because they just offer the support. And I was like, oh, what? I feel like I just skipped a level. (laughs) And so it's, if you keep awareness around, okay, well, I really want to bring this in. How would I do that? What am I looking for? means that you're more open to all of the various ways that it could show up rather than just the one way you think it can show up. Right. So those are, I think that's an excellent, um, excellent reframe that you can apply like all the time. Ashley, I'm wondering, do you have like a technical skill or your hard skill around money that you like to share? Hey there, divas. Real quick thing before we get back to the rest of this episode. Do you love studio class? You can support it now by joining the Sybaritic Camerata on Patreon. It's just at patreon.com slash mezzoenen, M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. For $10 a month, you can join the listening circle where you get access to bonus episodes, you can make listener requests, and for $20 a month, you can become a Masterclass Scholar. Do you ever wish you could ask our Masterclass episode guests a question? Here's your chance. As a Masterclass Scholar, you're invited to the recording of the Masterclass episodes, and you get to ask your questions during an exclusive Q&A after the taping. So come on over, check it out, patreon.com slash And now we're back to the episode. Learning how to set your rates. Um, <laughs> so, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that one, because I feel like this is a conversation not only as arts administrators, as consultants, but especially as performers, like what, how we come into the space of what should I set my rates at? Because people will be like, 
It, I feel like it's that meme where it's the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other <laughs> and the one Spider-Man's like, what's your rate? And the other Spider-Man's like, what's your budget? And <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> Oh, it's so real. It's so real. It just felt right. Let's go meme style with this one. Um, you know, and, and recognizing like you kind of have to work backwards for yourself of what is your very, very basic bare bones, bottom of the barrel rate that you will take from someone. It's not your ideal rate, but it's the one like I absolutely will not go below this amount of money and having to work backwards to some of the points that have already been brought up here. Uh, like Sarah, you brought up budgeting. So knowing your own personal budget of like, this is what I need to live. Starting there is a fantastic place of, okay, I know I need this much money to live. How do I work backwards? How do I figure out what uh, an FTE, a full-time equipment might be, if I were to be salaried, how do I work backwards from there and, and figure out what is that rate? How many hours am I working at that rate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because that can look very different. And I feel like I mentioned earlier that I do equitable pricing. And part of that is I do ask people what their, their annual operating budgets are, or what their project budgets are. So that way, if you have less access to resources, I am not going to charge you my exorbitantly high rate. Like yeah. I'm going to charge you my bottom rate, my, my I need to get by rate. But if you're an organization with tons of privilege and access to opportunities, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to charge you way more. I'm going to charge you way more. I know you have that. Yeah. So thinking about what that balance is and what that looks like for you is going to be helpful in the long run of this is it. This is my bare bones. Um, and the same can be said for musicians. I mean, it's interesting, and I, I'm going a little long-winded here, but it's interesting that uh, for musicians, like what we view as good pay for a gig is literally the same amount of money we have all been saying for a very long time. Yeah, it, You know, it, it's like, how much does this gig pay? A hundred bucks. Great, I'll take it. And it's like a hundred bucks. Like we're we're just taking a hundred bucks for all of this time and energy and the quantif like all the hours of practice and work that we're putting into it. And I just think about how many of us go, wow, that was like a great take for the night. And it's like all I made is a hundred dollars. <laughs> I practice way more than making a hundred dollars for this one gig, right? <laughs> Right, right. I mean, it, it, it's interesting, like as performers, that mindset is so different than as arts administrators or as composers or um, different facets of the music industry period. And that's something that we all need to work towards, because if we just continue to think that that's acceptable, then we're just going to stay in that money mindset of this is OK for yeah. folks to take advantage of musicians, mm -hmm. you know, there's. Mm -hmm. A lot to digest there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really true. That makes me think to add pile on here. Uh, this is Sarah. Well, that makes me think so much about um, the belief we were talking about in the arts around like only, you know, you can only survive as an artist. Like you, one of the biggest things that I had to overcome this year as I trans like transitioned to owning my own business was the was changing this belief that like I could only ask for what I needed to survive. Like bottom line, my budget. Um, and even, you know, coming from a singer, even to, to the arts administration world, it, I very much felt that pressure to be like, no, I can't ask for more. Like they're doing their best. Um, I'll just take like what I need. I, what didn't, you know, it, 
started to matter to me as I got into my 30s, but like I wasn't saving anything <laughs> that my like future self was not getting any of this. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you just just reminded me of how prevalent that that is, even um that we how hard it is to think of like what the lifestyle looks like if you are thriving, not just like making what you need to pay rent. Yeah. I think that's so important. And I was just going to jump in really quickly to say, I think it's important for every aspect of the music field to think about their money mindset, because we are such an interconnected ecosystem. And if you, and one of my kind of soapbox topics is that we all have elements of power and privilege in whatever places we sit. Like we all have elements in which we get to influence other people. And that might mean that you are in a, you are in a small organization, but you could be the person that speaks up at a meeting or in your ensemble that says, maybe we should not charge composers for this call for scores. Maybe we should, if you're in a meeting and you're saying, maybe we should up the, the amount that we're trying to give out through these grants, even though it makes us have to have a conversation with the board about the endowment or something like that. If you, it doesn't, we all get to have these places where we have influence. And it's important that you're bringing your best money mindset to that so that the field doesn't feel like everything has to be made with like two sticks of gum and some popsicle sticks. Like, you know, like that we can all make the most realized version of our art that we want to. Um, because if more and more people as they're starting out in the early parts of their career are just ingrained in that mindset of do it for the bare minimum is that they'll take that that same mindset into the positions that they have more influence in if they like if they rise in an organization in the you know or they become the artistic director of their ensemble not bringing a more abundant mindset to that situation is worse for your for your overall group and your and your company or your organization or whatever it is so those those are mine <laughs> soapbox feelings for a second. <laughs> yeah. Megan, this uh, this is Alyssa. Megan, that is so true. And I, I think uh, for me, I, it, it puts me back into the whole mythology, the glamour, right? So there, so we have, because, you know, you mentioned the whole industry across the industry, um, you know, there there's that level uh, in any genre or any type of music making where people are earning a great deal of money, mm -hmm. right? Whether, you know, what that looks like across that tier is very different, you know, based on what, you know, what pocket, what, what box they're in, right? Going back to the boxes that I hate so much, um, you know, <laughs> the difference between the principal, you know, <laughs> the, co the, the concert master, concert mistress of a, of a major orchestra versus like Beyonce, that's very different, but there's a top <laughs> earner, right? Yes. Uh, and then and then on the other side is everyone else. And so there's nothing in the middle. But at the at the place where you're scrapping, scrapping and scrounging and scraping to make a living, we've also as a society attached a glamour to that. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's this there's this the, the, the bohemian mythology 
yeah. right? Like you're supposed to be barely scraping by. There's something romantic about, you know, heating cans of beans over a candle in order to survive. Like, no, that's called the apocalypse. That ain't- <laughs> and so, so was, what is it that we need to do to kind of, you know, let some of the air out of our idea about the ideal, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Because it's not the ideal. It's, 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 a, it's lightning strike. Yep. Yep. Ideal is making a comfortable living so that you feel, like we said earlier, uh, that you have enough resources to enjoy your career and, and, and to enjoy your life, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Where you don't have to have to feel that the weight of that grind. It's a joyful grind because it's also fruitful and you're able to afford a house and you're able to take a vacation. You're able to do all of these things. You're able to put food on the table and not just, you know, you're not down at the table lot and scratching it, right? Or in the dented can section, you're like going Whole Foods if you want. Like you <laughs> if, have you want yeah. if you want, if you don't want, you don't have to. You can stay at Save a Lot. It's fine. Um, you know, but there's the, we need to get over this idea that the only art worth listening to or engaging is that which is created out of the pain of having nothing. Yeah. Right. Of, of living out of your car. Like these are conditions that people are living. They're making it work. And, and we applaud for it, but you gotta, we also have to not want to sit there. Because no one that has lived in that way has stayed there. That's the thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They've scrapped their way out of that to a place where they're comfortable and making a life for themselves that they can enjoy. It's those of us that are feeling way maybe some shame. I'm going to use that word. Around not suffering enough. Yeah? yeah. We're not successful. We, didn't, we haven't made it because we didn't suffer enough. We didn't oh. sacrifice comfort we didn't suffer enough so that means that that means that i don't deserve yeah i don't deserve what i want out of my music making because i didn't suffer enough mm-hmm. that's baloney i didn't say the other words because i don't know <laughs> how no, wait, this is we'll put an explicit tag on it it's fine <laughs> uh, well, the moment is passed but i'll, I'll make a note of that uh yeah it, it just you know just to wrap it it just it's the it's the glamour we we need to admit that we attach a certain level of romance we romanticize the poverty of it yeah. because we have the legendary stories of people that suffered mm-hmm. and so we have to do that in order to get to that same level and that's not true yeah yeah not true I wonder, one of my big stories for Money Mindset was, uh, I'm not going to go into like the, the whole thing about how this showed up in my life, but I was told at an early age that you could pursue music, but you're going to have to work really hard to make it happen. And I, I took that as like a big old permission slip, but in probably the worst way, because it was like my Midwestern work ethic was like, I'm going to work so hard. You have no idea. <laughs> like, and, but then, my my brain at that point, you know, my developing brain was just like, oh, you can have it under these conditions. And so the conditions that I attached to any sort of financial stability in the arts was you can have it if you are working to burnout, you know, you can work like as long as you're working harder than everybody else, you know, then then you can have what you want. And 
So a big story of mine was just like, what does it look like to be able to do this in a very um, sustainable way? What does this look like? And how do you, how do you set your fees? How do you like set your, how do you like make sure that your time is efficient so that you get to have a balanced life in whatever that looks like to you. And so if you, if I may be so bold, my friends, would you feel comfortable sharing a big money story that you've had to work on? I think as evidence from like the last thing that I put in, the biggest story that I've had is like, I don't deserve to be paid enough uh, to have a comfortable living. Um, that like, I have to take less. Um, and frankly, some of that comes from like guilt around privilege. I think there's a big, there's a huge story for me around money of like, okay, I've had enough. It's, it's somebody else's turn. Like I cannot take anymore. Um, and as a business owner, that's a really hard place to run from. So yeah. that's something I've been breaking up. Yeah, definitely. That's a tough one. Uh, um, mine is similar. Uh, so in the days that I was, uh, you know, performing a lot, um, and you know had had a band and and all of that, uh, I would because I was also a full time teacher. I would take whatever you know the pay was for whatever gig we did. And I would not pay myself. I did the opposite of a band leader. I would not even take a leader. I wouldn't even take any cut to make sure that my players were well compensated. Um, but it ended up, you know, I ended up being in here. I have this really great, making a great living as a teacher, but you know, I was actually losing money because I was, you know, all of it just, I think it, it was more like, it wasn't, it was just like the energy of it. I think it was an energy thing. Like some, you know, like the sock monster and the dryer that takes one sock. I think that there was, because the, <laughs> the way I was treating myself, there was a dollar bill monster that's just sucking things out. It clearly was, it, I don't understand where it all went because I, you know, I did look online since I didn't have to look at the little checkbook anymore. Um, so that, and that kind of continues today. I mean, I have to remind myself to pay myself now that I have a team and I'm wanting to make sure that they're covered. And, and that's, you know, it's a, it's a story I still struggle with. And it comes from this idea of uh, the shame, not around money, but around um, imposter syndrome, right? Particularly oh, yeah. as a performer. Like, so I was people will only play with me. I'm not actually good enough as a musician. Uh, people will only play with me if they know that I'm the one that pays a lot and is really nice ooh. and also food. Ooh, so, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, so Alyssa's, Alyssa's an okay singer, okay songwriter, but we like working with her because she's nice to us and she gives us extra money and she feeds us too. So it's like buying friends. Alyssa, are you an Enneagram too, by chance? Because I, I definitely recognize that. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, so that's my story. Just, you know, not paying myself because, you know, everyone around me deserved more money than I did on, on, for a lot of reasons, right? Ashley. Well, I feel like mine ties in perfectly with some of the things that were brought up, but also with one of my original things, which was setting your rates. And for me, it's been a big thing to learn how to just say, this is what I charge. Yeah. Like with 
no hesitation because I, I think uh, it is so easy to do when you really want the money and you really want the client and you go, this is how much I charge, but it, it, if that's too high for your budget, um, you know, I, uh, I could come down at my rate <laughs> and <laughs> like <laughs> just learning to say my starting rate is this. Yeah. And that was, that was a big deal just to learn that sentence. My starting rate is this, um, for this project, I will charge you this. Well, and Ashley, you've talked about, you know, equity-based pricing, pricing and fees. And yeah. I, I think, I believe very strongly in living your values through, through your pricing, however you want to, but you get to be, you're in charge of it. So it's like, exactly. it's really important to recognize your strength in that area. And so I would imagine that part of your story in that space was also wanting to make sure that you weren't like going against your own values there. It's true. I mean, it, I, I think about it a lot in terms of the first few times I got asked that question, and you know, aside from being a performer, aside from having led professional development sessions in, while I was still working full time for an organization, to then go into the space and go, okay, I have to confidently say this is what my rate is, or I have to confidently renegotiate here, and I'm going to charge more. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it was both empowering, but also like, fly by the seat of your pants kind of moment of like, am I actually going to do it? Am I going to like hold true to this? And are they going to like bat any eyelash at this? Yeah. And uh, kind of living that way. And um, I feel like I'm going to bring up a t-shirt that I saw recently that made me cackle so loud <laughs> that I spit my drink out and then texted friends immediately. Um, <laughs> Because I was like, wow, where is this shirt when I was negotiating the first few times? Uh, let's see. <laughs> I gotta get it right. <laughs> I'm like literally about to go look at Instagram for this teacher <laughs> company. <laughs> uh, the, the, the site, the brand is called Feminist Trash. And if that tells you everything that you need to vote, know about where I'm potentially about to go with anything that I might say right now. Um, okay. I need to quote this exactly. Uh, it, the t-shirt said, seize the day with the, the unearned confidence of a mediocre white man. Yes. <laughs> I, and, I love that quote. And we call it white guy gumption in my house. <laughs> like, <laughs> so um basically like once i kind of allowed myself to go in with that like really intense energy i felt way more confident and yeah. uh <laughs> i look y'all i'm taking y'all on some weird ebbs and flows today I in love terms this. of where my, my quotes are going i'm going very weird quotes today so <laughs> i love it i love it i I like, um, I also like the, like, what would Chad do in this situation where I'm like, I'm not, I'm never going to be a Chad in this, in this situation, but I do like to just ask myself, like, what would, what would Chad do here? And then what would I do in that situation? Chad, I love it. It's yeah. Chad. <laughs> right? Because you all know a Chad, you all know, oh. like, you're like, mm-hmm, no, you're right. <laughs> So I'm going to take another little, um, like a, another little tack here to talk about one of the things that I talk a lot about um, 
studio class and, you know, wherever else I write about our professionally creative lives is I talk a lot about micro actions because I think it can be very easy to get overwhelmed by all of the things that we kind of tackle in our artistic lives. And so I believe that it's important to just like chunk it down to its smallest core components and just give yourself like, I'm going to do this. And I wrote, I, you know, I write a series called 29 Days to Diva, where we just like take one thing and it just makes you feel like you're moving your career forward without, it's something that you could do on a lunch break if you, if you were working like a day job in that way or whatever it is that you do, where it doesn't feel like months go by before you've been able to focus on your artistic life. So while I'm talking about all of this, I'm hoping that each one of you would share, you know, a micro action that you do either around money mindset or the way that you, the the way that you think about money and work with money in your lives. If you could share a micro action that you think would be helpful to our listeners, I would really appreciate that. I'm going to jump in with a micro action. And this is one that uh, I think has been kind of alluded to, but it's a tiny, tiny micro action, uh, something that'll help you in the long run and something that I had to remind myself to do this past year, which was, uh, well, first of all, I have separate accounts. So that's a micro action, getting Boom. Yes. separate accounts. Um, subsequently, I'm going to add a layer to that. You have one account that's where your all your money your normal money goes through you have your other account that's your taxes money and that taxes money lives there you don't touch them taxes money you let them taxes money sit there until it's tax time <laughs> so just reminding yourself you do have to pay taxes this income will be reported to the irs so just save yourself a little bit and make it less stress for yourself early on um by doing that little action of transfer that money over, or transfer a certain amount of money over maybe once a week or once a month, something that works for you. So it doesn't have to be right away. It's just whatever works for you and take that action to, to divide, to just save yourself a little bit. I love that. Yes, I'm a big fan of splitting up accounts. I There was a point in my 20s where I you know read some sort of personal finance like blog that was like the seven bank accounts that you should have. And I was like, excuse me. (laughs) And, and definitely changed my financial life for the better. So I'm with you. Uh, This is Alyssa. My micro action. Don't buy that. (laughs) And it it really don't buy that. Just especially as a a self-employed person and uh, doing music production, it's really, really easy to get like, oh, I need this filter. Oh, I could get this sound pack. Oh, I could get this and that and the other. Ooh, look at the shiny new speakers. <gasps> My headphones, I could upgrade that. Don't buy that. Mm-hmm. Purchase <laughs> things that. as a last resort, right? Mm-hmm. As a last resort, because it is so, the things are shiny. And they're fun. Same, I mean, if you're not in production, it's the same thing, right? Um, you don't need a subscription to that magazine. Do you? Really? Don't you have one like it already? Like, it all adds up. 
Yeah. Don't buy that. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. I need, I definitely need like a, a, a I need a sound effect like, just every once in a while. I'm going to get a, like a don't buy that button for my desk. Like, yeah. <laughs> need you on my shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm like on an Instagram, mostly like, mm. that's the seventh ad for that thing. Like, Oh, it looks great this time. Right. <laughs> now, uh, combining those things, I think the best uh, micro, well, I don't know, micro action, the best action that I was ever taught was uh, to make sure that you're keeping track of your, uh, the things that you can write off your taxes all year. Mm. So that when you get to tax time, and I know I'm, I'm learning very much now about quarterly taxes, yeah. um, but when you get there, you don't have to do all the math and like click all your receipts and like put everything together. Um, I would say the other thing that I use is addition to, uh, you need a budget is mint. So to just make sure that I am always tagging things as like, okay, that's a tax write-off. That's not, that's something else categorizing my expenses. And you reminded me with the checkbook of like doing it immediately, not waiting, right? Like always just keeping track of like checking your accounts, making sure that you know where everything is going and what category it's in. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that has saved me a lot of time and pain generally. Yeah. Oh, that's so smart. I love that. I have, I have two that I wanted to add to this because Sarah, you reminded me of one and this is where I'm probably going to get like an explicit tag for this already, but I've mentioned this on the podcast before, which is, uh, but tracking your income and I use an app called lucky bitch and it's great. And like, so highly recommend if you are an iPhone user though, cause it's not on the Android platforms or whatever, tracking your income is one of those things where what you focus on grows and if you're really focused on tracking what's coming into your life, then you can think about growing it and tracking your income can be that micro action that every day you're like, this is, this is money that came into my account or, you know, I, and when you're looking at it, then you're like, Hmm, maybe I can pitch myself for another thing. If I'm not feeling like there's a lot of income coming in, because the second, the second micro action that I wanted to bring up was what I call create the container. And it's about thinking about all of the things. So people think about passive income, or you think about things like that. They get very overwhelmed by having to create lots of like things in their life. And I think about what my, my advice is always just create the container. So if you want to do some sort of like coaching thing, or you want to add group lessons to your studio is have a place where people can find it like a store on your website and then just start offering it. (laughs) Like just have created the container where it says, this is a thing that I do. And the container can be a fee sheet for your performance fees, or it can be a, you know, it can be something like simple that you sell on your website. You know, you created, you created your own punch list for how to go through a rehearsal or something like that. You can sell that. And those little things is asking yourself, like, can I create this? Can I make this be available in a, in a certain way is just another way to create the container and moving into offerings and it doesn't have to feel so overwhelming. 
So that's that's my micro action is just what is the container? How do people how do people know that this is a thing that you offer? So that so micro actions, I I love it and I, you know, I hope that anybody who's listening, if they're if they find this and they're they're thinking about their own micro actions, like please, please share you know, share this episode and also write whatever your micro action is that helps you get your money mindset right or helps you get your finances like just sparkly, <laughs> like awesome. <laughs> and <laughs> so with that, my friends, I I usually kind of get to the end of our, our masterclass episodes by talking about curiosity because I think that curiosity is a superpower and I think that it helps us grow and, and be more empathetic. So I am curious if you would share with me something that you're thinking about or you're pondering or you're wondering about that you find yourself being curious about when it comes to money or money mindset and, and just sharing that in a sense of honesty and that we're all still growing and learning and challenging ourselves. And this is Alyssa. Uh, so kind of hand in hand with uh, not wanting to face the the dealing with the money, the counting and, and, and invoicing and documenting and banking. Um, I'm also, I'm, I'm on my hustle in terms of, and love it in terms of chasing down clients and projects and stuff. But fundraising, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> and I don't know why I don't, I don't like it. And so now that I've got this, you know, uh, no profit, nonprofit, you know, consignment model music publisher, <laughs> if in order to keep our lights on, you know, you have to have raise operating funds, right? Because our, our composers get their full asking, right? So if it sells for $28, the composer getting 25 because that's what they wanted. The other three is for the tax man because he cometh. And so, you know, I, so we're gonna have to raise funds and I, I'm really struggling with that. And we're not in a place where I can hire someone to do it. So it has to be me. Uh, and so it's, you know, sitting in that executive director seat, uh, you know, having to be, that person telling the story and then, you know, hoping the story then inspires people to get behind the project. Um, so that's just me being transparent. It's the part of running a thing that I really hate the most yeah. is, is, is that part. So. I hear that loud and clear. And I think so many of us that make our lives in the arts have that experience and, and realize that that becomes a pretty regular part of the experience as you're going through. And I, I love, Sarah had mentioned a thing earlier about being intimate with our money and that, and you said something around money is energy. And when I started thinking about how money is energy, that really helped me with fundraising stuff is I just thought about, well, there's energy in all parts of my life. And there's lots of like love and passion and lots of, and all around me. And I was like, and money is just another version of that where I can make sure that we're all like putting our collective energy together. And this is just one of the ways that people can show that. And it doesn't, and to your point, Ashley, about community centric fundraising, thinking about we all have resources and what are those resources that we can bring together for this thing. But 
Alyssa, you were right. That was, I mean, that is not, that is not an easy path sometimes. And just finding ways to get yourself to be like, I am curious about this <laughs> like, is important. Maybe we only got like half of you there. <laughs> We missed the full point. I know. I'm so sorry. Sorry. So <laughs> this is my internet being like, it's time for us to wrap this up. <laughs> so I was just saying that, that the idea of our, of money being energy is, is making sure that we can all, we're all bringing energy and passion and, and everybody brings that in different ways. And you can just ask people, how do they want to show that love for this this particular situation. And it can look like a lot of different things. And that helped me release some of the intensity of having to say, like, I would like for this to be a $10,000 gift, <laughs> you know? So I'm wondering, let's see here. Um, Ashley, would you like to go next? Sure. I mean, I, I feel like it's something that's coming up for me. It's very similar to what's coming up for, for Alyssa around kind of fundraising, but I, I'm actually going to pivot mine slightly in saying, um, understanding a little bit more about how the community values music and the arts in particular, because for me, I, I am very baffled by the the ways in which people publicly say how much they value music and how much it's like changed their lives and then you consistently come into these spaces where it's like someone's only tipping you a dollar but they sat through your entire free concert for three hours straight right or or you you go into these spaces with funders and um they decided after you've gone through this whole process of writing these grants that the arts and the music is just not a priority for them. And so how, how do we change that perception so that music and the arts are a priority and that uh, changing the money mindset for the outside community as well? And that's obviously a very huge philosophical discussion, but it's something that I'm thinking about constantly as it relates to the tipping economy and the racist history of tipping. You know, like there are a lot of layers to this. There's a lot of layers to uh, the conversation as we think about what minimum wages or, or, you know, these other areas. And so how do we move the rest of the world from this mindset of um, you know, surviving into a space where we're all thriving and, and getting everyone understanding that we too need to thrive in the arts. So important. I think that as artists, I think a lot of people would agree. And I'm going to just go out on a limb here and just saying that I think one of the more important aspects of getting, uh, getting, us to think about this as universal basic income. And so I think that the more that we think about that in this country, and, and if you care about that, then making your voice heard in all of the ways where you can share influence um, is really important because all of that works throughout our ecosystem. Sarah, Sarah, I'm so curious to hear your answer. What are you thinking? Gosh, I almost don't, I almost don't want to add anything to that. Like that felt so full. I think 
maybe you can help me with how this relates, but I think what I have been thinking about a lot, um, a lot of my mentors say the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. And so what I think a lot about with money is my relationship to money is the same relationship I have to time. It's the same relationship I have to giving my energy to somebody. It is the same relationship I have to love. It's like, it is everything. So shifting the room for everyone to thrive um, has opened up so much in all of those areas of not feeling like I'm constantly taking somebody's time uh, in the same way that I'm like feeling like I'm overcharging in the same way that I'm like feeling like I'm not worthy of being loved. You know, those things are all super connected. And so what I'm really curious about is that interaction of like, if you can shift one thing in one place, you can shift something else in another corner of your life. Um, And I'm super curious as a whole community, if we start to shift our mindset around money, what that's going to shift around what you, the conversation you brought around value, the conversation around um, an interchange of energy, Uh, super woo-woo of me, but this is my new, new life. So I can go there. (laughs) We love it. We love it. (laughs) Well, and I think the the more financially stable we are in these roles, the, the freer we are to make the art that we're called to make in this world and less reliant or less beaten down by our own stories about it, about what we have to make so that we can survive. And so that's, I'm very open to those conversations and I know that all of you are. And I'm hoping that each one of you would just kind of share where people can find you on the interwebs or if they wanted to get in touch with you to just say that they loved listening to you on the podcast, uh, how would you want them to do that? Um, Ashley, you're, you're at the top of my screen, so I'm going to make you go first. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, so my, my Instagram handle is at Shabankadonk. Um, and <laughs> Wait, sorry, can you spell that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll spell that. It's a play on my last name. It's S-H-A-B-O-N-K-A. D-O-N-K. It's a plan, Badonkadonk and Shabankarai in one. Uh, (laughs) Very appropriate. (laughs) The amount of times I share this out in conference presentations and crack myself up is great. (laughs) I I do it just for my own personal laughter because you know what? If we can't laugh about stuff like that, we are in the wrong profession. Um, So... uh, you can find me on Instagram. You can also find me on my own website at ashleyshabankaray.com, which you can get to that from my Instagram page. So just go there so I don't have to repeat my last name spelling. <laughs> Much appreciated. <laughs> no, Ashley's Instagram is fabulous. So if nothing else, you just have to go and, and check it out. <laughs> Alyssa, where would you like people to interact with you? Uh, also on Instagram, I'm Ms. Alyssa Jones, M.S. Alyssa, A-L-L-Y-S-S-A, uh, two of everything but the Y in my first name, uh, Ms. Alyssa Jones, uh, and that'll take you to everything else as well. So uh, just go there. My Instagram is not nearly as fun or populated as Ashley's, but sometimes some good things show up there. Uh, but from there, you can get to Jones Creates, which is my consulting firm, Rising Tide Music Press, which is the publisher. Uh, and that's, uh, and also my, my podcast and community, uh, that's Spinster Life. So, uh, Love that's it. where you can find me. 
Oh, that's right. I forgot that your podcast is called That Spinster Life. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. We're undergoing a change. So, you know, uh, two seasons of That Spinster Life, we're going to be called, we're, we're, I'm shrinking it to TSL. And there I'll say go. more about that another time. But uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a hoot, that thing. It is a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely go check that out as well. Sarah, where can where can our friends find you and interact with you? Um, at the moment, yeah, Instagram is also my my the best place to find me, and uh, it's at Sarah Noble Coaching. Nice. So, uh, and your first name is spelled. My first name is spelled without an H. Thanks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm always sensitive to these things because I I love to listen to podcasts Everything. and like I have no idea how to spell your name. <laughs> like, <laughs> So I appreciate you all so much for gracing me with the, the spellings of your names and your accounts and, <laughs> and also for just blessing me with all your thoughts. And it's been such a pleasure not only to talk to you in this format, but just to have the conversations that we've had together to get ready for this panel. And I look forward to us talking. We will also be talking with Sarah Hockey, who will, you know, wasn't able to be with us tonight as we were recording, but I am so thrilled for people to also hear Sarah's, Sarah's amazing thoughts and stories about money mindset. And it's just been such a pleasure. So I can't wait for us to do that. And I, you know, we won't get nearly as much time to talk. That's why I really want to find a chance for us to do this again. <laughs> so thank you all. Thank you for being on this masterclass episode of Studio Class. Thank you so much for listening to this Masterclass episode on Studio Class. Hey, before you go, do you have a second? Will you take a screenshot of this episode and share it to Instagram with your takeaways? You can tag me there, at Mezzoinen. That's M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. It makes a huge difference when you share this podcast with your friends. Or even strangers, really. So, with that in mind, I hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening!